Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. This episode is brought to you by Element Electrolytes. This month, we are switching it up with an exclusive offer that's only for VIP Element partners, including CarnivoreCast listeners. You can now receive a free sample pack along with any regular purchase when you use my custom link at drinkelementt.com slash carnivorecast. I'll provide it in the show notes as well. The Element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor, This is the perfect offer for anyone who's interested in trying all the flavors or who wants to introduce a friend to Element. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash carnworkcast to get this special offer and claim the deal. Element electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based, and delicious. They're used by Navy SEAL teams, Olympic weightlifters, jujitsu athletes, and everyday people who want to make themselves better like you and me. Dr. Scott Solomons, at Dr. Scott Solomons on Instagram, is a dentist since 1989 and a functional medicine practitioner. He combines dentistry, nutrition, and general health concepts to enable his patients to heal better and stay healthy longer. He received his DDS from Columbia University and is a member of several dental associations, as well as paleo and primal societies, such as the Ancestral Health Society and the Weston A. Price Foundation. He is also on the medical advisory board of the Cresser Institute for Functional and Evolutionary Medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Scott. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, the pleasure is mine. So I'd love to hear, um, you know, how you how you went from dentistry to taking a deeper dive into nutrition um, and ways of eating and, and how, how that's evolved for you. Yeah, um, probably a similar story to what a lot of folks have. Um, you know, you do enough to just survive the rigors of dental school and setting up practice and all that stuff. And, um, you know, you realize once you get going that maybe there's a little bit more to it than what they taught you, you know, you, um, at least the way I look at things, um, you know, if it was all about brushing, flossing, fluoride, and having two cleanings a year, shouldn't we all be doing just fine in the cavity and gum disease department? Sadly, not yeah. so. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you take a little bit of a deeper dive into things and you realize that, well, hey, maybe there's there's more to it than this. Maybe it has something to do with cigarette smoking and eating a poor diet. Um, this all happened along with uh, my health going downhill uh, steadily for years. Um, And then, you know, when I look back, I actually realized that I guess I was considered a normal, healthy person, but not really. I was a little tiny baby, uh, had constant earaches, had my tonsils and adenoids out. I don't think any of this is normal. But it was deemed as being normal, like everybody else went through that. My teeth became crowded and crooked. I had acne, uh, had my appendix removed. Uh, then in dental school, I developed chronic sinus problems. Uh, you know, it was just like the wheels were falling off. Every year was getting worse than, than the next. 
And they'd have you believe that, you know, the human body is just poorly designed and, you know, you're going to get old and fall apart. And thank God there's pharmaceuticals and, and surgery. Um, so, you know, I was kind of struggling. I'd go to a doctor feeling terribly, but I never looked very sick and I'm kind of a happy person. So they, they couldn't find anything wrong with me necessarily. So they, but then they'd always have a pill. But there's nothing wrong with me, but here's a here's a pill. Um, so I ended up seeing a functional medicine practitioner. And um, it's a funny thing. I think she's actually a vegan, believe it or not. And she gave me a packet of materials uh, at the first visit. And I went home and read them. And I found out about this thing called the paleo diet. And lo and behold... Uh, it resonated with me because in college I did a lot of anthropology stuff. I was always of the opinion we're cavemen and women genetically, but we're just in the wrong environment in the wrong time. So I immediately adopted it. And guess what? Within the week, I was already better. She hadn't even taken a blood test or a urine test or anything. Wow. We ended up doing all that stuff. And I found out I had a gluten allergy. So that was really the, the basis of it. Um, I probably had a bagel for breakfast. You know, the food pyramid. Aren't you supposed to eat the food pyramid? Bagel for breakfast, maybe a nice little Subway or a pizza for lunch, a little pasta for dinner. It was killing me. It was tanking my immune system. Um, also found out I was toxic with mercury, and I had never placed a mercury silver filling. It turns out they don't tell you this in dental school. When you drill the stuff out, it's not an alloy. It's actually an amalgam. So it separates back out into the silver and the mercury. And the mercury vaporizes. So I was breathing in mercury vapor for years. And I had toxic levels of it. So that led me down the path of what else is dentistry doing that is not so great? Um, you know, so started looking on the internet for uh, you know, different information. At first, there really wasn't anything on the paleo diet. So I gave up and uh, I was definitely telling people about it, you know, giving up processed foods and things like that, my patients. And uh, every once in a while, somebody would give me a big hug and say, you know, you saved my life. I'm not on any medicine. And uh, one time somebody did that and said, oh, you know, have you heard about Mark's Daily Apple and Rob? I'm like, what? And, you know, so in the, in the years that I sort of gave up looking for anybody in this community, uh, one sprang up. So then, of course, I was devouring all sorts of information and it came upon Chris Kresser. And I knew I definitely wanted to do some kind of functional medicine. And it was at, at, in those days, Rob Wolf was trying to develop a program along with Chris Kresser. Chris Kresser, uh, developed his first and it was really great. I was in the first, uh, you know, the inaugural class and it just, you know, incorporated that whole ancestral thing in with the dental thing. And it's just been a home run. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I think, um, I remember back in 2016, I went to paleo effects and I think it was around then that Chris Kresser was launching it. Um, I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause he was, he had a whole booth talking about it. And a bunch of people were asking. Yeah. Um, I think I, was, I made friends with a uh, someone who's medical school, and he was like asking Chris a bunch of questions, trying to trying to get involved. Um, but it's really cool to see how it's evolved. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's great that word is is getting out there that uh, 
you know, there are, there are other things you can do um, besides taking pills. Uh, so it's, it's good. People are waking up. Yeah. And um, how has, you mentioned like feeling better from day one, but how has um, changing your, how has your diet changed um, over the years? Yeah. So that's what a, other, really, what other effects have you experienced? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, when I started, it was a long time. I mean, in, in terms of the paleo diet, that sort of thing, um, it was over 15 years ago. I can't even remember the specific year, but it's at least 15. I think it's more. And really, the only thing out there that I could find was Lauren Cordain's book, The Paleo Diet. And um, he, uh, he later amended that book. He was afraid, and, and maybe I think he got pressure from the publishers, uh, to say that you should eat fatty meat. So it was a lean meat diet. But if you're not careful and you go paleo, you accidentally can go low carb. Um, and obviously protein is not really a good energy source as you yeah. well know. Um, so basically protein and vegetables and you're giving yourself rabbit starvation. I wrote about my bout with rabbit starvation. I'd get a little nervous. I'd get in the car and if I didn't have a bag of nuts or something, I knew, you know, by the, an hour or two later, I'd be kind of ravenous. Uh, then I met Nora Gagoudis. You know, she goes to a lot of different conferences. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she yeah. had that book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, and it was all about fatty meats. And, you know, Sally Fallon Morell, you know, with Weston A. Price Foundation, she speaks of uh, forums that they used to be on with Lauren Cordain. And he was all about the fatty meat, but he just couldn't pull the trigger on that initial book for fear yeah. of it would be canned and maybe he wouldn't even be able to have it published. So, you know, after I, uh, I read Nora's book and I, you know, thanked her personally for it, you know, up the, the animal fat. And then it was really a home run. Incidentally, this whole keto thing cropped up around, you know, that sort of time, I guess I never was real interested in it. I never had to lose weight or anything like that. Um, but lo and behold, I, I always tell patients to maybe use a MyFitnessPal or a chronometer or something like that, just maybe for a week or two to see, you know, where they're netting out with their uh, diets and their nutrients. But I had never done it. So I said, I, I probably should do that, eh? And uh, I was logging everything. And son of a gun, I was ultra low carb. I was, I've never checked my ketones, but low clearly fat. I wasn't. I, so I was on the keto diet. Yeah. And then I think I saw Sean Baker uh, talk at Paleo FX probably before the pandemic. And I thought, hmm, carnivore diet. That sounds really interesting. So I think I, I, I dove in and did the research. And uh, I thought, wow. What do I have to lose? Because the one thing I regret about dentistry is it's kind of, I wouldn't say sedentary. I stand, I use a microscope, but uh, not a lot of moving around. So my left hand, that's the one that holds the mirror. It kind of stays in the same position all day. So I had uh, what they actually call golfer's elbow in my left elbow, even though I don't play golf. It's, uh, it was medial epicondylitis, yeah. six years of pain. And I ended up having surgery on it, which did nothing. So I, I had chronic pain. 
Uh, and then my, my left thumb from gripping that little tiny mirror, um, it, it turned in what they call a trigger finger. The tendon was swollen. It would get locked straight. I'd have to struggle to bend it. Then it would get locked bent and, you know, it would snap. And that was about five years of pain and nothing was working. I think I had some cortisone injections. So I had heard about the miracles of this carnivore diet. And we can get into that a little bit later if you want, since this is the carnivore cat. And I went on it, and within three weeks, my medial epicondylitis went away. Wow. Now, I thought, well, maybe it's a fluke. And I work out pretty much on a daily basis, so I was started to push my workouts, and it has never bothered me since. My body comp improved. Uh, my muscle mass went up. Not that I'm a huge guy, but uh, more muscle, less, less body fat, more clarity, better sleep, better concentration. Uh, I can't say anything bad about it. So there's my carnivore story. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask how old you are, Scott? A lot of people ask me about how to make liver more tasteful and how to cook it or incorporate other organ meats on carnivore. Optimal Carnivore can help you do just that with their grass-fed organ complex. It was created by carnivores for carnivores. They start by sourcing 100% grass-fed organ meats from New Zealand, gently freeze-drying the organs, and encapsulating them into convenient bovine gelatin capsules. Just six of these capsules a day is the same as eating an ounce of raw organ meat. I personally take these every single day, as does my wife. Even though we both eat liver and other organ meats, our ancestors would have eaten the whole animal, and this unique blend has nine different organs, including beef liver, brain, thymus, kidney, spleen, etc. And I think it's great to get a daily dose of these organs when you can. So it covers all your bases, whether you're at home or traveling. What's also cool is they plant a tree for every product sold, which helps the environment. So visit www.optimalcarnwar.com slash carnwarecast and use the code carnwar10 to receive 10% off your purchase. Thanks and back to the show. I am 60. Okay. Yeah, you don't look it. In your photos, you look very uh, full of life. Um, oh, thank you. Art Devaney <laughs> reminds me. Yeah, right. He was one of the, my early heroes. Yeah, yeah. When I first got into this. Yeah, yeah. he's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and, and yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm here on vacation, and the house—it's really a lively house. My wife has a, a very large family. Everybody's got kids. They're all in their twenties, most of them. So you can imagine the, the the vibrancy that's that's in this house. And, you know, we're on the beach all day playing games. Spike, you know, we were just playing for hours and, you know, they have to rest more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty remarkable. Um, and can you talk about uh, how you started to incorporate it with your patients and maybe some of the results um, you've seen? With oh, them? yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of a slow process. First of all, I'm in a large multi-specialty practice so there are other general dentists doing the mainstream thing and all the specialists and when i started talking this talk you know they looked at me like i i had two heads and i think they were they were nervous they were nervous that i was off in my little room you know doing some kind of you know woo woo you know voodoo stuff (laughs) on on patients and um you know so Having a, you know, being a large practice, 
Uh, sometimes we see each other's patients where let's say, you know, one of my partners isn't there. Patient thinks they chipped the filling. I'd see them. Well, that was the perfect patient to practice a delivery on, wasn't it? You know, how to introduce maybe better eating, you know, putting things together uh, in an understandable way for patients. So the patients would go back to their dentist of record and say, hey, you know, this guy was talking weird stuff about, you know, eating natural whole foods. And then my partners would come to me all alarmed, thinking I was overstepping my bounds. But I mean, this is ridiculous. Of course, um, tooth decay did not start in, well, really in any species. We're the only species who really gets tooth decay, other than the animals that we feed our our lousy man-made food to. And it didn't start until we started farming. So it's absolutely appropriate to pin tooth decay and other health problems on diet. This is absolutely part of our job. But, you know, the other realization that I've had over the years is that we're not, I mean, to call ourselves dentists is is really limiting because, of course, we treat patients and the mouth is part of the body. And what goes wrong in the mouth absolutely has systemic ramifications. I do a lot of what we call airway dentistry. And it's due to the fact that most of us have jaws that are smaller than they're supposed to be, and it causes all sorts of problems. So uh, I've, I've had a lot of resistance from my partners, but not lately, because these concepts now are being spoken about at conferences, and, and there's articles and journals, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy who's been talking voodoo stuff for 15 years is sort of the go-to guy now to, for a lot of my partners for a lot of these problems that patients yeah, have. That's incredible. Yeah. It's really uh, great to hear and cool to see. Um, and I, I'm really curious um, because, you know, there's obviously, you know, as soon as in, I think the carnivore and paleo communities are guilty of this too. As soon as they demonize something or deem something to be, uh, more favorable uh, companies attack the space <laughs> with coming out with products. Oh yeah, and labels. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I feel like uh-huh. um, toothpaste is is one of those areas. Um, so, yeah. like, what are some things that we should be looking for in toothpaste and like taking care of our teeth? Um, that's actually important from your perspective. Like, is avoiding fluoride right. actually a good idea? Things like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Um... Toothpaste is completely unnecessary, believe it or not. So I I don't get too excited over the whole subject of toothpaste. It's really unnecessary. Okay. Um, what really, you know, makes a healthy mouth is just putting healthy things in it. And the biggest offender for tooth decay, really, and gum disease as well. It's the what I would call dense acellular carbohydrates, otherwise known as processed carbs of any variety. I mean, when you look at, uh, let's say, Egyptian mummies, they have terrible teeth. I mean, they're in, you know, there are how many millions of mummies I think they can drag out at any moment, take MRIs and CAT scans and do all sorts of exams on them. And they're riddled with heart disease. They have terrible teeth. And they weren't farming sugar. You know, they didn't have sugar beets. It was grains. So you don't just need sugar. It can be any 
then say so to a carbohydrate. I would dare say that things like pretzels, um, that really after a minute, you know, they're stuck to your teeth. They have no flavor, so you're not really salivating them away, but they could be there for hours. The bacteria in the mouth are fermenting the carbohydrates and creating an acidic environment. The acid melts the minerals out of the teeth. So that's actually what a cavity is. So not putting that stuff in the mouth, of course, is one way to avoid tooth decay, but that's hard for most average folks. So that's why brushing is a really good idea. The toothpaste is there more for mouthfeel and taste. And maybe when you have that minty clean <laughs> sensation, it feels like your mouth is cleaner. Yeah. But, um, you know, Hardest just brushing thing it away. Toothpaste companies and, ever made. Yeah. And, and because, you know, it can hide in between the teeth, flossing once a day is, is a really good idea as well. But, uh, if you like toothpaste, you can make your own. I have, I think, two recipes on my website. Uh, MCT oil. You can buy um, basically uh, calcium carbonate, which is like dissolved shells, you know, medical grade, and sort of mix those up. If you want to put a couple of organic drops of, of mint in there, there you go. And you can make your own. And do you think that's really helpful and, and interesting? Um what do you think about um, calcium for for um, dental health? Like, do you think um, well, yeah. a lot of people criticize paleo and carnivore and keto diets for being low in calcium? Yeah. So, I mean, I eat uh, dairy products. I'm lactose intolerant, but I do well with cheese and cottage cheese. So, of course, that's not really a big concern for me personally. Um, but yeah, I think calcium, uh, can be a little hard to come by if you're not careful. Um, one of the things that I will always do if I, I don't eat a lot of poultry, but if I do, I'm nibbling on the bones, I'm eating, you know, the, the crunchy ends of the bones there, um, for my calcium. And then, um, you know, the little tiny like anchovies and and, and sardines and stuff like that. I think they have bones in them too. So I'll go out of my way to eat stuff like that. Especially my nephews and all their friends that come out to visit us at this house were intrigued with this carnivore thing. <laughs> and uh, at that point, I was on a kick where I was basically drinking 12 egg yolks for breakfast. Not the egg, just taking the egg yolks, mixing a little water, maybe a little honey, mixing it up and gulping it down. 900 calories of really nutrient dense food. And then last year I was, I, I brought a bunch of liver that I'd have for breakfast, a calf's liver, nice big, uh, eight ounce slice. What I, this year I didn't do that. I maybe had a little cottage cheese today and I think I had another piece of cheese. Um, still, you know, high quality food, but not as nutrient dense as I had been in previous years. And what's interesting is this year, my like the top of my feet are a little burnt i'm i have less tolerance for the for the sun this year i'm i'm unable to uh to handle the sun uh, as much this year because and i think part of it is just because i am going you know hours and hours maybe without eating i'm not perhaps i'm not eating enough you know I'm not, I, mm. I, I maybe i need a little more a little more nutrients so it hasn't been uh, a game changer fasting for me yeah personally 
I understand the concept and all the benefits. I haven't seen much of it though, personally. Okay. And how about um, organs? It sounds like you you do like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, big big, oh, and always have been. My mom uh, grew up on a cattle ranch in Oklahoma, so you know, kidneys and liver were a pretty regular thing growing up. And then my dad can catch a fish in the in the Sahara Desert in the middle of the summer. He's an <laughs> unbelievable fisher. Grew up on Long Island, so we mainly had seafood and shellfish. Raw, so raw clams, raw oysters, that sort of thing. And you're talking some of the most nutrient-dense foods there as well as, I, I believe, with, with the organ meat. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it actually took this vacation year to realize that I feel like I have a little less energy than last year and definitely less tolerance for the sun. So I'm going to definitely go back to my liver and egg yolk phase and probably eat a little bit more regularly. And um, what do you see as kind of like the future of dentistry? You, you mentioned some of these things are becoming more common knowledge or at least being shared at more conferences and in more more sources what do you think um the next like 10 years will look like yeah so interestingly uh next friday i'll be out in ucla at uh, the ancestral health symposium and we have a nice panel this year um James Nestor, the author who wrote Breath. Are you familiar with that book at all? Uh, what's the name of it? Breath? No. Oh, James Nestor? Yeah, haven't. so he's he's um, a hero for dentists who, who think like me. I'm certainly not the only one. Uh, you know, he had some problems with apnea and snoring and so forth. And, you know, turns out that... Uh, dentists had a lot to say about it a lot lot to do with that stuff so um he's moderating a panel uh do you know robert lustig yeah pediatric endocrinologist so he's famous for sugar the bitter truth yes and he's going to be on the panel kind of talking about fetal development you know especially the jaws and so forth and then kevin boyd who's a pediatric um dentist who specializes in airway um, pediatric airway. I mean, little little babies already have obstructive sleep apnea. Wow. Our jaws are that bad. And then uh, Michael Mew, Doctor Michael Mew. He's also uh, he he's um, English. He's British. He uh, his his father um, pioneered this type of orthodontics called orthotropics, mm. and he was one of the first ones to talk about chewing hard foods and having a natural diet. And that will develop a much larger set of jaws. So, you know, we're meant to be, you know, hunting and gathering and the food was much more coarse. So when um, bones, when you put force forces on bones, it co- it stimulates them to grow. Uh, one of my professors, Dr. Melvin Moss at Columbia University, was instrumental in putting this whole thing together. He has what he actually is not happy. He calls it the functional matrix theory. Um, and, and the development of the facial bones, um, is not just genetic. It really has to do with the forces of chewing and swallowing and all that sort of stuff. So dentists have kind of taken that concept and, and, you know, put an evolutionary spin on it. 
And, you know, there are lo- there's tons of evidence out there, lots of studies, modern studies even, that people with more coarse diets have larger jaws and, um, you know, can, can breathe better. So they're less prone to having sleep apnea. So this is the big thing right now, as far as I'm concerned, with um, dentistry. And so, um, again, I'm not the only one. There are, there are other dentists who are, are thinking this way. And it's important to develop teams of specialists, your nose and throats, people. Um, there's a, there's a, a thing called myofunctional therapy. Uh, it's literally like physical therapy for the tongue, lips, cheeks, etc. Because a lot of us never um, develop uh, a proper swallow, believe it or not, tongue posture because of these small jaws. Other things like tongue ties. So there's this field, myofunctional therapy, um, and and we do tongue releases and frenum releases, things like that, to help uh, get the tongue where it needs to be. Uh, all sorts of specialists. So we're trying to develop, you know, regional networks where we're all, you know, there's crosstalk. We all share patients. Um, if somebody comes to me and their jaws are too small and, and they're snoring, that's a pretty sure sign. If they don't have apnea, it may very well turn into it soon. Um, but is that their only problem? It could be that they have enlarged tonsils. So we look for these things. Um, I can't see adenoids, but so we would have to refer to immunos and throat specialists. Um, sleep, I mean, I refer dozens of patients out on a routine basis to sleep doctors to see what's happening there. The, the solution isn't always dentistry, although it can be. We could make uh, appliances that people wear at night to advance their jaws, to allow their tongue to move out of their throat and, and you know, so they can get some air. But then there are CPAP machines, there are orthodontics, we can move teeth. That's actually what I'm doing now. Um, I have mild apnea. My wife, who's 100 pounds, has mild apnea. My brother has moderate apnea. My father has, I mean, it's really rampant. It is, it, you know, talk about a pandemic happening literally right under our nose, no pun intended. Um, so now we're recognizing these things. And uh, I've had orthodontics a few times. And when I showed my casts to an orthodontist, they thought it was perfect. I said, no, no, no. The distance between my upper molars is actually not bad for a modern human at 37 millimeters. It's called the intermolar distance. But when we look at um, pre-industrial skulls or even just ancient skulls, it was 40 to 45 millimeters across. So the tongue had a lot more room to occupy the mouth. Um, Our faces, when you look at our profiles, under the nose are pushed back several millimeters. So that brings the tongue into the back of the throat. So the, so the front of the face, or I should say the back of the face is the front of the airway. When we sleep, REM sleep, our brains are actually more active than when we're awake sometimes. And the body actually goes, uh, gets paralyzed. And so the tongue can easily sink into the throat. So the sleep group that I use, Dr. O'Brien runs that group. He actually says that all snoring will turn into apnea, believe it or not. So no amount of snoring is actually normal, especially mm-hmm. when you see children. So um, in terms of the future, putting this whole thing together, um, hopefully building networks of different specialties, ear, nose, and throats, allergists, et cetera. Um, we can potentially get the word out that uh, we need to be eating real whole foods 
just as a matter of course from, you know, let's say one year of age. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And uh, I have a lot of interest in the sleep apnea space too, just because I have not great sleeping. I've actually had sleep studies done um, and I don't, don't have formal diagnosis for apnea, um, but I am always trying to find ways to improve my breathing at night. Um, oh yeah. So you would definitely uh, be interested in reading James Nestor's book, Breath. Yeah. It's, it's really a nice compendium of everything that you could be looking into, I think. Awesome. I'll check that out. Um, well, great. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time, Dr. Scott. It's been fantastic to learn more about you um, and, and hear about some of the ways you're incorporating uh, paleo and carnivore into your dentistry practice. Where can people find out more about you? And I'll have links to everything in the show notes. Yeah, I mainly I uh, I have a uh, website. It's just drscottsolomons.com. So it's okay. dr s c o t t s o l o m o n s dot com, and I usually post a uh, a weekly blog. Sometimes it's on a dental type subject. Otherwise, it could be on um, any kind of general health topic. You know, always taking that evolutionary medicine, um, paleo carnivore type approach, more of a, um, what patients can do for themselves type of approach rather than, you know, here's a a great, um, operation that they've pioneered and and a lovely new medication. That's really not what I talk about so much. Got it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll have links to that and really appreciate your time today, Dr. Scott. Thanks, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered? Or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.